really, I had written blog posts based on the questions people were asking in the group. That was definitely where I was getting the content. So then I would see people asking these questions and I would just post my blog post as an answer. And I wasn't breaking any Facebook group rules. And usually the Facebook group admins were grateful that I was providing such a helpful answer to the group members. And that's that's how I started getting like initial traffic to the blog was by consistently posting in Facebook groups whenever people would ask questions I had written blog posts about. And also if I wrote a new blog post that was directly relevant to the to the group, I would share my new blog post as long as the admin didn't mind. And I would always get a nice little spike of traffic every time I published a new blog post. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 168. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and today's episode I am recording from Florence, Alabama. Alyssa and I are a week out from our third RV Entrepreneur Summit that we're hosting in northern Alabama this year, which is kind of crazy because when this podcast started I gave myself 50 episodes from the time it started to just see if I liked recording it, uh, to see if people got value from the show, and it's turned into uh, so much more than a podcast. So many of our dear friends that we've met and a lot of really cool business opportunities, not just for us, but for a lot of our attendees that have come from uh, all from starting a little podcast. So you never know what could happen uh, when you decide to start something new. Our first year, actually, that we hosted uh, the RVE Summit, it was supposed to kind of just be like a glorified hangout. If we got 30 people, that would be awesome. 120 people came. uh, And this year, it's now a full-blown conference, as it was last year. Uh, We'll have 350 attendees, a lot of amazing keynote speakers and workshops. Really, the whole goal of the RV Entrepreneur Summit is similar to this podcast, but not just from the educational side, sharing how people make a living on the road, but being able to go through content like that and experience it with 350 other people who are also working to become full-time reviewers or travelers and, and get their business started. Because one of the biggest struggles for us our first couple of years on the road was finding other people who were like-minded, who we could share ideas with, and who understood the kind of business and life we were trying to create. So if you'll be attending this here and you're listening to this, I'm stoked to meet you. Uh, And if you didn't grab a ticket, but you still want to tune into the workshops and speakers from this year's RV Entrepreneur Summit, you can actually grab a virtual ticket. And with this, you'll be able to watch all of the workshops and all of the main stage presentations from this year's RV Entrepreneur Summit. And just giving you a quick rundown of like what those workshops include. Uh, So if you're interested and kind of want to know what those topics are, they're all listed out. But a couple of them are around SEO, launching a YouTube channel, which is hosted by Mark Leach of Keep Your Daydream, Pinterest strategy for bloggers, building financial runway. There's really a lot. There's 18 different talks and workshops included in the virtual ticket. So if you want to grab yours and use a discount code, which is just available for podcast listeners, go to heathandalyssa.com forward slash RVE. Uh, and you can get a $25 discount on your virtual ticket and you can watch all of the workshops and main stage speakers from this year's summit. All right. Today's episode of the podcast is with Ashley Mann. Ashley runs RV Inspiration, which is a blog focused on RV decor ideas and inspiration among other useful advice. Starting the blog back in 2017, it's now providing a full-time income for her as she travels with her husband, Josiah, in their fifth wheel. 
I took quite a bit from this conversation with Ashley, but one specific thing was how she went about launching her website and catering content to her new audience. She didn't just sit in her own little space and think about what people might want to hear about. She actually went out and found real problems people were struggling with as they made this life transition and then gave them solutions. And I know that sounds really straightforward, but a lot of people really want to get into nuts and bolts of SEO and and how to gain a following on whatever platform you're trying to gain a following on. When in reality, like the one tried and true method is find problems that people are actually struggling with and then give them practical advice to solve those problems, which is exactly what Ashley did in this podcast. So we dive deeper into that and how she kind of stumbled into that with her own unique interest and is tackling this from her uh, her own side of things. So we get into ad strategies on her blog. And just for the record, I know I've interviewed a lot of bloggers on this podcast, <laughs> among other content creators in addition to entrepreneurs and things like that. I think it's interesting because there are a lot of people who want to be able to create content, maybe in addition to their business while they travel. But even within content creation, there's so many different verticals for how you can go about monetizing that platform, whether you're creating products, you have services, you're layering in. Um, So even within these different verticals, it's fun to dig into how you go about monetizing content. So specifically with Ashley, she realized that ads are her go-to strategy for monetizing her website. Uh, And without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Ashley Mann. Ashley, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Where are you located right now? Currently, we're in Springfield, Missouri, which is where um, my husband, Josiah, and I are both from originally. Well, he's from here originally. I moved here while we lived, while I was in high school. Um, after about three years um, in other locations, we have just moved back here in our RV just in time for the coldest part of winter, which is kind of counterintuitive for full-time RVers. Yeah, I think Alyssa and I came up with a rule that's like, why are we, why would we spend more time north if our home has wheels? So that doesn't mean that we always yeah. actually did that and practice it out because like you, we were talking before this, like uh, what you guys had a propane issue. And so like you were sleeping in frigid temperatures, like this is the, the <laughs> worst sales pitch for like enjoying RV life at all. But right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, this like so far we have not been able to spend a winter that was not somewhere cold. So, and we thought we were getting away from it this year cause we had just moved to Texas last April. So we were very excited about, um, even though it was the Dallas area. So not, extremely warm, but warmer than Kansas City, where we had been the previous two winters. Um, So we were excited, but then uh, had some family things come up and just, you know, life timing type things. And uh, moving back to Springfield turned out to be the best option for us right at the beginning of the year. So we were kind of like, dang it. (laughs) But the cold was really the only deterrent from us coming back at that time. And we decided that it wasn't, it was only like two months of our life and we can deal with it. So we've been dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you, like we got to meet up in Denton last month, which I was really excited to get to hang out. And you, you do quite a few different things, but I want to kind of get into how you got started with RV Inspiration uh, and travel and everything, like kind of take us back to uh, a few years ago, like what were you doing and how did you end up starting your blog and starting to travel? Okay. So in 2016, the 
early 2016, I was um, in, I was a teacher, a middle school English teacher, seventh grade English. I'd been there for five years at my, at my position, which was in a rural school in Missouri. And I, it had been kind of a journey for me to become comfortable as an English teacher. I went to school at Missouri State University and I majored in English, never intending to actually teach because I only picked the major because English was something I was kind of good at and I couldn't really think of anything else to major in. So that's just what I went with. Um, but I, I had the idea that maybe I could travel abroad and teach because I knew that was something that people were doing. And then I actually did that after college. I spent a year teaching English overseas in South Korea. And then after that, I spent five months teaching in Mexico. So that that was really good because I'd always wanted to travel and all that. But then I ended up coming back to the U.S. and getting married in 2011 and stuck back in Springfield. There were not a lot of job opportunities for someone with an English degree. Um, I tried looking on Craigslist and local job boards to find jobs. And I just I couldn't think of anything I would do with my degree um, except for like be a front desk receptionist or the the only thing that appealed to me that I could think of was maybe some kind of job at a library. So a couple times I applied for jobs at our local library, but I always, uh, it was very competitive. I guess everybody in the area that had any kind of qualifications thought working at the library sounded fun. So, <laughs> and I also would try like, like used bookstores. Like I, I thought that sounded fun. Just basically anything related to my existing skill sets and education, like that's all I could think of. So, so I tried applying for jobs and there just weren't any. So finally I started substitute teaching and then applying for English jobs. And, um, cause at that point I was waitressing also, and that wasn't what I wanted to do forever. Um, so, and, but I felt kind of obligated to be contributing to our finances. My husband was a front desk receptionist basically for a hospital billing office. So, um, we weren't, making very much money at the time. So I ended up taking this uh, middle school English teaching job and it really terrified me <laughs> um, to teach seventh grade English, even though I had done student teaching and substitute teaching. I just, I'm naturally kind of introverted and I look young for my age and I'm very non-confrontational. So dealing with middle schools, middle, middle schoolers is not really my forte. And uh, spending like I spent the first really year or two figuring out things like managing discipline issues and getting kids to not talk while I was teaching and all those kinds of things. And by my fifth year teaching, I really was proud of how much I had evolved as a person um, and that how that had shown in my teaching. I had um, kind of figured out systems that made my teaching more efficient and um, developed my own curriculum and really systematized my teaching to where most of it was online and I wasn't having to do as much paperwork and that sort of thing. So I actually enjoyed my job at that point and was successful, but it still wasn't really where I saw myself. And actually my favorite part of the whole job was the like curriculum creation, making worksheets online and setting up my teacher website. And like, I, I just thought, often during my one hour planning period, if if all of teaching was just this part right here, sitting at my desk on my computer, I would really like it. But I didn't really like the standing in front of the class part or the like just 
having to talk to people all day part of teaching. So I really didn't want to teach forever, but couldn't think of what else I would do. And at the same time, my husband, like he had kind of been having a career transition. Um, he had been laid off from his hospital job in 2013, right at the same time was we had just built or bought a new house. So he was kind of desperate to replace that income pretty quickly and had started, actually, he had a, an uncle that was in a kind of home remodeling type business and needed a website. And Josiah, my husband had built websites, like just little personal websites before, like for his, a band he was in in college and things like that. So he set up a website for his uncle and it immediately started getting phone calls for his uncle. So, so that made my husband think, Oh, maybe I could build websites. So that kind of got him into a career of learning to be a web developer and build websites at first locally, and then later doing freelance work. So my husband was freelancing at the time that I really wanted to be leaving uh, teaching, but his income was not reliable. And we kind of had to depend on my, my salary. And so uh, that's where we were at. But then there was, I remember there was one day, I feel like it was maybe over a Christmas vacation where I saw an ad on my Facebook feed that was advertising a seminar coming to our town to learn to fix and flip houses. And at the time we had been watching a lot of those shows on TV, like Fixer Upper and the uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines show and all those. So it kind of made me think like, oh, maybe we could do something completely different. Maybe I could um, do that and not teach at all. And it was the first time I had ever realized that maybe I didn't have to do something with skills I already had, um, that instead maybe I could learn something new. And it, it was kind of a light bulb moment for me because I was like, I'm a smart person. I learned to teach. Like I, I didn't have natural teaching capabilities and over the last five years, I've become good at my job. I could become good at some other job if I want to. So that was that was really the beginning for me of of taking ownership of my like how I was earning an income and realizing that that's something I can choose and educate myself and have control of. It's not I'm not just dependent on what jobs are out there that I can find and who's willing to hire me. I feel like there's so many people that we have seen like friends of ours who transition into travel or running their business or whatever. And I feel like that's one of the first light bulbs that goes off. And, and it's such like a big difference between like, I don't know if you've ever read the growth mindset by Carol Dweck or heard of it. I've heard of it. It's one of those books that I've heard people talk about. I haven't read it yet. (laughs) You should definitely, I mean, cause it's essentially that thought, like I like I don't have fixed capabilities and skills. Like I can constantly be growing. Everybody can constantly be growing and adapting. And I think we know that, but we forget it. And I've seen a lot of people post in uh, the RV Entrepreneur Facebook group and basically say like, I want a job and I want to work on the road and I'm willing to do anything, but I won't work in a tech job or something like that. And so it's basically mm-hmm. cutting off yourself and saying, and that's just one example, but it's basically saying like, I really want this thing and I'm willing to do anything for it except learn. And try something new. And I feel like the theme that I've seen so many people who are successful in crafting a business, whether it's freelance or, um, you know, building a bigger company, that's like the one similarity that so many people do is that they're willing to actually take the time and kind of reinvent their skill sets and 
become valuable. Like I can see that over and over and over again. Like Kelsey, our podcast editor, she had never edited a podcast, but she was willing to learn and be taught. And now she has multiple podcast clients. And so it's just like, that's one example of many different things you can jump into. But to me, that's kind of the the first thing that you have to have is that realization and belief that like you can, you can change and you can grow new skill sets. And it sounds so obvious, but it's kind of a hard thing if you haven't, if it hasn't hit you in the head yet. Yeah. And I think too, it like, like if there's something that somebody says they're not willing to do, I would probably ask, why do you not want to do that? Because there are things that I'm not willing to do. Um, most of them involve physical labor. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's not my area of strength. And also, if it involves being outside in cold weather, uh, I probably won't do it. <laughs> just things like that. But if it's just because I'm scared or because I don't think I'm capable or um, I think other people are more of a certain type than me, then that's that, those are the kind of things where I would challenge myself to, you know, not limit my mind and not uh, have that imposter syndrome mentality where you think other people are somehow more gifted or more capable because we all start from, you know, the same, the same place when we start life and we just learn as we go. And, um, different people have started learning at an earlier point. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn whatever you want if you have a desire to. Yeah. I love that. So you, you basically realize like I can grow new skills and you're going to be the next Joanna Gaines basically is no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so what, what do you do next? So you're still in your teaching job, just as freelancing, kind of building skills as a web developer. What was kind of the next actionable steps for you guys and how did, cause like, it's one thing to say, like, I'm going to start flipping houses, but now you're like in an RV moving around doing something pretty different. So like where, what happened after that? Yeah. So I think at that point, Josiah was pretty inspired. And Josiah, longer than I, had had a dream of building um, passive income streams and um, also enough, like really wealth um, to be able to fund passion projects down the road. So that's definitely something he had um, studied a lot in the past. And he had learned a lot about marketing and partly as the, through the process of running a web development business also, but he, he had looked for a long time for ways to make, to make passive income. So when I mentioned real estate, he was immediately looking online and reading books and, uh, pretty quickly moved out of the idea of buying and fixing and flipping a house into the, more the idea of like building wealth through real estate. So, that led him to my husband to to starting to read about commercial real estate and especially multifamily um, apartment commercial real estate, which as a result of that, we ended up enrolling in kind of a guru mentorship type of program where we were learning to buy and syndicate apartment deals. Um, and we spent a good six months or more really um, learning as much as we could and traveling to educational events around the country as part of this system that we were learning and really decided we were going to be apartment investors and learn to syndicate real estate deals. And as part of that, we decided that we were going to move to Kansas City because it was supposed to be a hot real estate market. And it was the closest good real estate market to Springfield where we lived. So we decided to sell our house and 
move up there, but with the idea that we would be there for a short period of time and then we would be uh, wealthy apartment owners and free to travel <laughs> around and live wherever we wanted. And hopefully moving from market to market, um, buying apartments and building our empire or whatever. Um, I kind of am making fun of the way we were thinking at the time because it's, it, in retrospect, seems naive to think that we could like suddenly take this on when so many people do it as a full-time career. But that was, I mean, I, I respect my future or my, my former self because that's really what set us um, on this journey. So um, at the time, we also had been watching a lot of like tiny home documentaries and it really appealed to us, the idea of living in a tiny home and minimalism and all that. So I can't remember exactly at what point we started thinking RVs, but when we decided to move to Kansas City, actually, I don't know how I left this out of the story, but there was a moment where um, at some point that year, Josiah woke up in the middle of the night and told me that he thought we would be living in an RV at some point and um, traveling around the country, really, I think is what he was thinking. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like that makes sense. I think we will do that. And we didn't really know why. So then when we had this opportunity to move to Kansas City, we thought, oh, maybe this is our opportunity to live in an RV. And I think there was kind of a feeling of fate um, attached to it for us that made us eager to do it. And we just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> is that like a normal thing for Josiah to like lean over and tap you on the shoulder and be like, I got a business idea? Um, Yeah, <laughs> with a business idea. Not necessarily with like, I think we should do something really adventurous and and different in terms of like traveling or living in a, I mean, I mean, I think that's not necessarily his tendency. Um, so it was an unusual moment for sure. So yeah, we were shopping for RVs and decided on a fifth wheel because of the space really, and um, decided to go ahead and buy a fifth wheel and have it delivered to um, a mobile home park in Kansas city with our, our plan was to, just live in it stationary for six months to a year, or however long we'd be in Kansas city. And then we thought we'll be in Kansas city until we're rich and then we'll be able to buy a <laughs> and leave. So, so that was the plan, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I didn't exactly, it's not exactly how it went. We did spend about six months, like I said, really devoting full time to this study. And we did finally place an offer on an apartment um, to, to buy it with, the plan of syndicating it, which means assembling investors to put money in the deal. And the thing was, it was just kind of a combination of, I don't think the market cycle was, was the right time for us to be buying, but also we also didn't really know enough to feel confident with our offer. So we made a very low offer on this apartment. I mean, we were just new to the industry and I just think you have to have a lot more experience before you can do what we were doing or wanting to do. Uh, so we really took a step back at that point. Josiah met someone who gave him really wise advice that he needed to be thinking more about what value he brings to the industry instead of just what he could get out of it. And, and kind of as a result, we decided to take a step back from the apartment thing. And um, at the time, that person who kind of gave Josiah this advice, told him, if you were building technology, because you're a technology expert, I would buy anything from you, but you don't know anything about real estate compared to what, what this guy knew. So 
Like, I don't have any reason to trust your real estate knowledge, even though he, he liked Josiah a lot as a person and um, found him uh, engaging or whatever. Um, so that kind of made Josiah start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Maybe I should be um, looking to build a technology business really instead of a real estate business. Um, so that, that caused Josiah to kind of pivot. Um, he ended up taking a full-time job as a web developer at a local marketing agency in Kansas city and spent a year working there, which meant we weren't leaving Kansas city anytime soon. Um, cause he had to drive into work every day. And, uh, at the time, um, I wasn't working except for the real estate stuff. So I was just at home every day. And I guess that's about the time that I started. To be honest, I can't remember exactly what made me think I should start a blog, but this is what I do remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, well, I want to, I want to, I want to like yeah. insert one quick thought and then I want to yep. hear this. It's just, I like when we, when we all hung out, I didn't realize that Josiah also had a SaaS based business and also hearing you talk here, like, there's so many similarities in our story in the sense that like Alyssa and I want to invest in uh, campgrounds and real estate as well. Mm-hmm. And it was a path that I spent so much time looking at deals and campgrounds for sale and property, like comparing like buying existing versus building, et cetera. But then also realizing it takes a lot of cash to get started and seeing yeah. um, a technology-based business with what we're building with campground booking as kind of a way to segue into that one, getting cash flow, providing value, getting to understand the industry, and also kind of staying in our lane a little bit and things that we know a little bit about and um, as a way to, you know, kind of get deeper entrenched into the space and and build up the cash flow until we get to that point. So I know Josiah has been building his software business, and that's a whole episode that we can kind of dig into how he's been actually building a product to put together investment deals, which is really cool. But um, anyway, I just think that <laughs> what I was actually going to say was, the fact like you guys saw an opportunity because you started digging into a space that you didn't know about. And it wasn't the, you found solutions because you were, you were kind of open-minded and trying something new and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, but there still ended up being like an actual, actual business opportunities, but that you wouldn't have found if you hadn't kind of went down this rabbit hole. Absolutely. And, and I, um, like, I think it's really important to what you said about having the cash flow for the investing too, because that was really one of the biggest things that stopped us was we had been reading all these inspiring stories of people who were getting rich in real estate with starting with nothing or with like $5,000 that they were, you know, buying, like putting down as earnest money on an apartment or something. And we had nothing at the time. We, I'm going to say this, <laughs> it's like not, like it, this is one of the biggest like personal risks I've ever taken in my life. But we invested my like entire retirement savings as from a te- when I was a teacher into our real estate education. So that was like we were all in, and there was a lot of like feelings of if we failed, we had done this like really stupid thing, <laughs> and we really needed to not fail. And that's what, but that's really how determined we were. But what we found was that you really do have to have money to make money in real estate. You have to have something to put down as a, as earnest money or a down payment. But beyond that, when you're trying to get other people to invest in real estate, um, they want to see that you have something at stake as well, skin in the game, so to speak. So 
for us to be like, we want you to pay money, but we don't have any money to pay. Like that, that's kind of a backwards mentality. So um, we really needed to kind of figure our own situation out and get some cash flow and solve our own financial problems before we could be in a position to figure out how to build a real estate empire. No, I love that. Yeah. And so at a certain point, you guys decided you had moved into an RV and you were stationing for a little bit. And I think I read on your blog that you had joined a Facebook group for like RV interior ideas or something like that, yes, right? That, yeah, that's really the beginning of it. I, I was looking at RV ideas all the time from the time we started shopping for an RV. And even after we bought it, like um, ideas for organizing and ideas for decorating and I really loved organization hacks. Like those were my favorite types of things to find, like on Pinterest. I would always look on Pinterest for stuff. And I had Pinterest boards where I saved that kind of thing. And then I was in a, the group RV Interior Ideas and was seeing all these really amazing ways people had decorated and renovated and remodeled their RVs. So that was really inspiring as well. And um, even after I had my RV and I had it all organized and we painted the walls, but we weren't going to do anything else really with it. But I didn't really have anything else to do in my own RV, but I was in this group all the time still because I just enjoyed it. And I enjoyed sharing ideas with other people in the group and especially organization type ideas. I would constantly be like people would post questions like, how can I organize my kitchen or how can I, um, I don't have enough space in my kitchen. How can I like, where do you store your pots and pans or these kinds of questions? And I was constantly linking Amazon products to them and saying like, oh, there's this cool product on Amazon where you, how you can, that you can use to organize your cabinets or whatever. And there came a point where I was like, I should be getting paid by Amazon because I'm linking <laughs> them so much. <laughs> and I think that was really the moment where um, I thought there needs to be a central place where people can go and find all this stuff. Because they keep asking the same questions over and over and over in this Facebook group. And I started saving in my phone the answers that I kept giving over and over because people didn't search in the group. They would just post the same questions over and over again. And that's where I think um, that's why I say I can't remember exactly what moment I, I really decided to start the blog. But I'm sure I just mentioned it in passing to Josiah and he probably encouraged me to do it because um, he had liked the idea of blogging before, but never had anything he wanted to blog about. Whereas I had this idea and he, I'm sure just told me that I should go for it. So he helped me set up my blog and get me set up on WordPress and show me how to use WordPress because he had experience building WordPress websites. I didn't know anything about it. And, um, I spent about three months. It was March, 2017. Yeah. 17 that I started work on the blog and then in June is when I officially launched the blog by basically sharing articles that I had written in the Facebook groups I was in was really what I did to launch. And you had already been like a, you had already been like a community member in this Facebook group, like yeah, helping lots of people. Like you weren't just like a random person coming in and blasting right. links. I was <laughs> like the, yeah. I, and I was really, I had written blog posts based on the questions people were asking in the group. That was definitely where I was getting the content. So then I would see people asking these questions and I would just post my blog post as an answer. And I wasn't breaking any Facebook group rules. And usually the Facebook group admins were grateful that I was providing such a helpful answer to the group members. And that's, that's how I started getting 
like initial traffic to the blog was by consistently posting in Facebook groups whenever people would ask questions I had written blog posts about. And also if I wrote a new blog post that was directly relevant to the, to the group, I would share my new blog post as long as the admin didn't mind. And I would always get a nice little spike of traffic every time I published a new blog post. And it's what's really interesting to me. I, I maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but no, that's okay. Go for it. <laughs> my, yeah, my best performing blog posts that are currently at the top of the first page of Google and bring me consistent traffic with no promotion are the ones that I um, like. I didn't know anything about SEO research, like keyword research at the time, or even how to figure out based on Pinterest what. Um, to write about. I was just writing based on being part of the community and knowing what people were asking and seeing that there wasn't a good answer somewhere. Like I would look for the answer to share it with them and it wasn't there. So I'd be like, oh, I guess I have to write it myself. Like there's not a really great like post about people removing their dining booth and what they're replacing it with. And so I wrote that post and that post has brought me like 30% of my traffic over the last two years, because it turned out to be something that people were searching for on Google. And um, now that post is ranking at the top of Google. And like, I didn't know that, but it was really just by knowing my audience that I was able to have the success um, without the technical knowledge. Oh, interesting. I think that's such a valuable way to go about building a blog is basically you're just answering questions and trying to be uber useful. Like otherwise it's like, you're just sitting, I've I've been on kind of both sides of that where it's like literally just answering a question that you've been asked a bunch of times and, or seen in a Facebook group, like you said, or on Quora or whatever, uh, versus like the flip side of that, which is like, Oh, what can I write as a blog post today? Like the odds of you writing right. a really good blog post from just saying like, what can I write about? Cause I feel like I need to write versus like trying to be useful from like trying to solve people's problems, basically. Like yep. that's a, it's such a big difference. Yes. And that's really what the heart of SEO is. Google wants to see you helping people. There's all these hacks for SEO and eventually Google will find ways around them, but Google wants to reward helpful articles and helpful blog posts. So I feel like by being helpful, first and foremost, you're most likely to succeed in Google as well. I think there is like benefit to the knowledge as as well. And uh, later learning about SEO helped me capitalize on opportunities that I had overlooked. So it was it is good to have to have that as well. But I definitely think when I started my blog, Josiah was aware of niche blogging as a a way to make passive income. And he had me read the blog, um, digitalmarketer.com and also nichepursuits.com, which are both extremely helpful and really helped me shape my kind of marketing plan or even just like structure plan for my blog, the type of the content was going to be leading to um, an opt-in and then eventually a marketing funnel is really what it taught me was that I needed to have a marketing funnel in place or that was the goal. But both of those websites, even though they were extremely helpful to me in learning online marketing, I felt like they were encouraging people to be a little more salesy and cold in their blogging approach than I wanted to be. Like, um, you're going to write content based on what keywords might rank well, and you're going to 
recycle content as much as possible to reduce the amount you have to write. And like, I just, I just wanted to be more, I didn't care if something I wrote wasn't like the most optimized possible thing if I liked it better and I thought people were going to like it better. So, so there was like a, a blend for me of best practices and how other people were making um, these niche websites and then kind of my gut and being part of the community and really just my desire to help people with my blog, which was the heart of it. Yeah. Cause I mean, those are, it's kind of merging all the things that you really liked. You loved watching those HGTV shows that were all about that. And then you got into tiny. So it's kind of like merging the things that you are, were excited about. Yep. So at what point did your blog, like at what point did you start thinking like, okay, maybe I can start making a full-time or close to a full-time income from this because now I know you get a couple hundred thousand page views a month and a couple million views a month on Pinterest uh, with all your followers, which I imagine like so many people are searching for Pinterest stuff. Uh, I mean, so many people are searching for RV inspiration on Pinterest. Like that's probably the exact term that people are looking for. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, yeah, I think really understanding the power of Pinterest. Um, and I was, I was marketing on Pinterest from the very beginning, but, but there were a few key elements that I needed to understand to really do it well. And I took Brianna Royals course, um, Pinterest 101. Um, I was like part of her beta group for the course actually, which was in November of 2017, the year I started the blog and that along with doing things like submitting a sitemap to Google and making myself visible to Google. Both of those things coincided with my traffic really taking off. And um, really part of Pinterest, part of Brianna's course was learning pen design. And I redesigned some of my pens. Previously, I had been using Canva templates for all my Pinterest um, image designing. And after seeing some better examples of pen design from Brianna, I changed my designs and had a couple of my pens really go viral, really one specific one, but a few that did very well. And that made a huge, huge difference for me. So definitely this is a, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pitching Brianna's course here because it was helpful to me and, and tailwind um, using that as well, which is also something that I learned. I was using it before, but I learned to use it better, I think, when I took that course. So um, that was the beginning of Pinterest success for me, I think. Um, over the last year or so, I've just focused more on making my Pinterest a machine for constantly putting out um, valuable, interesting, niche-specific content. And I've joined multiple group boards, and I'm in some Tailwind tribes as well, although I'm not quite as active in them as I used to be. But Tailwind has helped me really automate my Pinterest to where um, it's just staying on um, on target and and its quality and, and all that. So big. that's really my biggest Pinterest strategy. As far as for somebody, it, sorry to jump okay. in, for anybody who doesn't know, can you give a quick uh, 20 second pitch for what Tailwind is? Yeah, Tailwind is a scheduler tool, a software for scheduling your your pins or your Pinterest posts ahead of time. It lets you easily find and source and schedule uh, content from other people's websites as well as your own. And 
Um, it lets your your account post 10 or 20 or 30 times a day um, spread out over the period over the day and without you having to do it manually. So I only spend about an hour a month on Pinterest. Um, I go into my tailwind and I just go find a bunch of RV related content to schedule to fill up my calendar for the whole month. And then it's and then I schedule um, my new blog posts. I add them into my um, tailwind tribes and my Pinterest groups to um, drip out over the month and start getting them out there. So that's really all I do with um, to maintain my Pinterest. It's really easy. And I can't imagine not using something like Tailwind. I think a lot of people are hesitant to pay for software when they first start blogging. And I really feel like part of my early success can be attributed to my willingness to pay for tools like that early on that saved me a lot of time and got my systems like scaling faster. And if I had been waiting to make money before I paid for anything and invested in that way, I think it would have just taken me a lot longer. I did have a goal of like at, at first I was spending some of my own personal money on softwares like that. So I was very excited when my business was making enough money that I was able to pay for, it was paying for itself. That was exciting for me. Um, it took about, I think about nine months, my business was paying for my, for itself. And at this point, um, I don't remember what the expenses were at that time. At this point, I, I pay about $600 a month for all the software that I use. And obviously it makes more than that, but, but that's been, <clears throat> I've been profitable since like March of 2018, basically. I love that. And, and something else that I recognize and I, from reading some of your earlier blog posts is like, you did a couple things that like not many people do when it comes to starting a blog or content channel was one, you called it, you're calling it your business. It's your product. I, I think I read somewhere. It's like the big mistake that some people make in the advice that you were giving is not treating their blog like an actual product that's spinning off income. And you did that early on. And the other thing that you did well, it seems from, from my perspective is like actually finding something that was a pain point for people and trying to be super useful on helping people solve that problem. And then also doing so in a community uh, for a long time before actually trying to get anything from that. So it's like, to me, if you can do those three three things really well, like treating it like it's your full-time gig before it actually is paying to be your full-time gig, and then also like being extremely useful and doing it in a community for a long time uh, without really asking for anything in return, like those three things, um, I feel like you can do a lot of things not well. And if you do those three things, right, like you're probably going to get some level of traction in whatever you're doing, whether it's podcast, blog, whatever. Yeah. Another thing that I took from that digitalmarketer.com website that I think has been really like a key thing for me is the idea that I don't have to be the expert. I don't have to have all the ideas myself. I really see myself as a curator of good ideas rather than an originator of good ideas. So most of my blog posts are created by me going and finding um, how 20 other RVers solved this problem and then compiling them into like, this is how other RVers are solving this problem you have. And they, of course, give me permission to share and I communicate with them and all that. That's where the work comes in for my blog research. But that way, I'm just connecting people with good ideas rather than having to come up with them all myself. And it makes it easy. I mean, that's 
a really easy way to come up with blog post ideas is just, um, and, and I've also learned since that when you, when you assemble ideas from influencers in your space, then those influencers are happy that you featured them. And sometimes that's a good way to uh, get people to promote you. But I didn't do that with the idea of being promoted. That was just, it seemed easier to me than reinventing the wheel, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, there's so many different areas that we can dig into and kind of cover when it, it comes to blogging and Pinterest. And like, we could talk a lot more about that. And I know we will because you're actually coming to our RV Entrepreneur Summit in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited to hang out and hear your presentation. And what's the name of your, your workshop that you're doing? Secrets of Successful Bloggers. So kind of today was almost like a little bit of a teaser for that because we kind of got into it a little bit, but <laughs> I know there's a lot more that, that you're going to cover. So I'm excited to, to hear your talk at the summit. Where can people connect and learn more about you, Ashley? On my website, rvinspiration.com, you can find all my social media and contact information. I do, I respond the best to email. So if you email me, I'll be quickest to respond. But if you prefer Facebook or Instagram, I will get to you eventually. I just don't <laughs> remember to check those so those uh, social media inboxes as, as frequently. And then if you're interested in blogging, I also have a blog that I recently launched that's just about blogging that you can contact me at as well. That URL is the blogging about blogging blog.com. <laughs> I love it. I will link up both of those in the show notes so people can, uh, can click on them. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Ashley. Thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode with Ashley. Uh, again, if you want to hear Ashley speak and go deeper into strategies, uh, she is going to be one of our workshop hosts at the RV Entrepreneur Summit. And if you want to grab a virtual ticket for that, they are currently on sale right now. You can go to heathandalyssa.com forward slash RVE, get 25 bucks off your virtual ticket. Hope to see you guys at the conference if you're actually coming. And if not, uh, we'll see you in the teachable course for the virtual ticket. Hope you guys have an amazing day and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.